Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode. This is episode 62. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, got any indigestion from all that crawfish last week, man? Man, no, I actually didn't get a single crawdad in the mouth. I got some oh. corn. I got some corn. I was busy. I was working. You don't know what that's like, I know, but I was working. And uh, it was, it was, I had a great time. And by the time I was done with everything, they had plenty left. But I was just like, you know, whew, it's been a long day. I'm ready to go home and relax a little bit. So I we went and got some in and out on the uh, on the way home. But no, no crawfish. Had a blast, man. It was a good time. Thanks for the, all the people who, who set it up, Landon Morgan and John Ratcliffe and everyone who had us out, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Uh, I got to meet Pierce Bush of the Bush family. Um, and so that was kind of neat. I think I sent you a picture and said, uh, you know, he's related to two, uh, two past presidents and met a future one tonight. So I'm sure it's a big honor for him to meet me. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good time. <laughs> the future one. Yeah, future one. <laughs> I like how you slid that in there right there at the end. <laughs> but speaking of working, man, are you on vacation today? Like you've been on vacation, it seems like for a week. If I was on vacation, I wouldn't be doing the show. Hey, that is true. That is true. I am at the beach. I am at the beach. Uh down here in Alabama. The first time we've had a Texas oil and gas podcast recorded from Alabama, mainly because when you come to Alabama, you just like your cell phone number changes or you know, something like that happens. So yeah, no, down here, man. Had a good week and uh, ready to get back to good old great state of Texas here. We'll be heading back uh, next day or so. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ryan, uh, I, don't know, uh, I don't know what you've been doing behind the scenes, but we got reviews that came in last week. They were, uh, they were coming in pretty frequently, so I wanted to touch a few of those. I think, let's see, last week, Ryan, we had 34. This week we have 41, so we got seven reviews in over the weekend, over Memorial Day weekend. So big shout-out to all you guys who went in there and gave us a five-star review. It means a lot. We really appreciate it. We had four written reviews, Ryan, so this is like record for us for how many written reviews we've gotten in a set, you know, in two or three days. Uh, so the first one we got was on May 18th, uh, Ace Ricola fan. Hands down, the most informative oil and gas podcast out there. If you're in the industry or just like to stay current and you can't do uh, you can't do any better than these guys, Ace, we appreciate it, buddy. Uh, the next one is a binary code. I don't know, uh, I don't have in here who actually sent it, but uh, title of it is inclusive information. I really like that you hit on all points in the oil and gas industry, pulling in geopolitical as well as operational aspects of the industry. Makes for an inclusive podcast, uh, enlightening and educational. Appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, and, Star- and, and, and real quick, if, if iTunes missed that up and you put your name in there and you didn't get it and you want to shout out on the show, Ryan at GlobalNGB.com, but on ours it's really 00101. I mean, it's just a bunch of O's and ones. We, we looked yeah. up a bi- we actually looked up the binary translator just to see if it's some kind of <laughs> hidden code, but yeah. on our end it didn't do anything. So if you if iTunes messed you up, Ryan at GlobalNGB.com. And also we have some people who have said they've had some problems. If you have and you can't do it, if you just send me an email, right at GlobalNGB.com, uh, we'll be sure to re- read that on the show. Go ahead, Josh. Awesome. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, man. Yeah, we, we need to let him know because he, he may not know that he's in binary code here. Yep. We've got two more. Uh, Lone Star Alford, May 22nd. Uh, he wrote, a quick update on the industry from downstream through upstream. It's nice to hear about other portions of the industry and how well they're doing. 
so I re- really appreciate that on Star getting on there and writing a review for us. And the last one is Garrett two two three. I am a new listener and I enjoy the show very much. Lots of good information and opinions. Well, Garrett, it's only opinions if we're not right. Otherwise, it's fact, man. So, uh, <laughs> we appreciate it, Garrett. Thanks a lot, man. It really means a lot. And, thanks, and, buddy. Yeah, and two things for the Crawfish Bowl, Josh. As I promised, if you came up to me at the Crawfish Bowl and said, hey, I listened to the show, you get a free shout-out. And if I miss you here, email me right at goldburnjimmy.com. I'll get you. But um, Chase Lafferty, someone that works with Chase, I cannot remember the gentleman's name. I apologize. Um, but but someone from uh, Spectrum Tracer Services came up. So thank you to those guys uh, for listening to the show. And also, Reed Goodman came in from Odessa to come and hang out at the Crawfish Bowl. And he is with Superior Energy Services. Um, so check those guys out at Superior Energy Services. Thank you, Reed, for coming. And uh, if I missed anyone that was there that came up and said to me, Oh, I know um, one more. Ed O'Connor from um, Purity Oilfield Services, I believe. I, I think I had that name right. Purity Oilfield Services. I don't have it in front of me here. I just thought about it. But um, all those people came up to me at the podcast, and they said, hey, and I promised I would give them a shout-out. So if I missed anyone there, please, please, please um, send me an email, and I will be happy to make sure I mention you on the show. I tried to take note of it, but it was kind of a kind of a hectic night, as you can imagine. But um, I wanted to give everyone a shout-out who came to the event because uh, we really appreciate you supporting the big brothers and big sisters. Awesome. Well, Ryan, I'm uh, I'm I'm a little upset you didn't get any crawfish. You know, we uh, my wife's dad actually went and bought about 65 pounds, and I got to eat uh, my share of crawfish about two days ago. I think that was on Memorial Day. So, only one of us only got to, got to eat the crawfish during the crawfish bowl. It looks like it, it's a pattern. It's a pattern. <laughs> it's a pattern that you you get the good stuff. Yeah, Purity Oil Field Services is the name of Ed's company, so be sure to check those guys out as well. Uh, Josh, we got to thank our sponsor again, which is Drilling Info. If you're in the land business, you're looking for courthouse records, Drilling Info has you covered. You get a free $100 credit to your account by going to globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse, globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse, and uh, you can get into it. Uh, Josh, i got to ask you, before we get started, my beloved Celtics got knocked out. One surprise. I didn't expect him to get that far. But uh, I know you're a big basketball fan. Who you got in the finals? Oh, uh, I, I saw something. Uh, I saw I saw an article yesterday. Uh, let's see. What did it say? It said that the odds for Cleveland losing are, what did they say? It was uh, longer than Harden's beard or something like that. It was, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they Cleveland has no shot at winning this uh, winning this championship. You know, I I think I think LeBron's done a great job. I thought I thought the Celtics did just a phenomenal job all year long. They they've been great, uh, but the Houston Golden State games. Uh, for some of the Texas fans here for Houston, they had a heck of a game, man. It's a shame that they lost Chris Paul there at game at the end of game five. Yep, because uh, they would have they would have took the series. Chris Paul was on fire. Uh, during that during that series, but I, I think it's a done deal. You know, I, I think I think the matchup really in the West was going to be the the shebang. It's going to be downhill from here. Yeah, I was kind of I didn't want my Celtics to lose, but it was one of those things where if they won, I I had no hope that they were going to beat the Warriors um, or the Rockets. So or you know, Rockets, it, it's, yeah. it's just like okay, go ahead and take the the pain now and uh, and and move on to next year. We'll get back our best two players. Oh yeah, yeah. The Celtics when they get Irving and Hayward back, y'all will be definitely be a force to reckon with. But I, something tells me that oh uh, LBJ may be heading down to Houston. And if that happens, rut row. We'll be having a uh, Texas basketball podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. All right, Ryan. Well, you know, we got uh, we got some some articles that came out this week. Some of them were a little more pessimistic. Some of them were good, though. We have one uh, that says uh, the, t- the title of it's a Forbes article. Uh, Permian producers are struggling to make money, and we talked about this a little bit, Ryan, last time. That in the Permian, there's so much activity going on that demand is increasing. With increased demand, there's also increased prices. So I think breaking even and making profit uh, during all this. Uh, out in the Permian, all this this frenzy uh, is is making it hard for companies to 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 make some money out there, man. So uh, we, we saw a little bit on. I, I guess I saw this when when they were saying that the eagle fur was more affordable in the Permian. But this week they're actually doing uh, it's a bigger article that kind of goes in depth with how some of these numbers are, are working out. Um, anything anything catch you off guard or something unexpected as you read through the article, Ryan, or was it all kind of what we've been what we've been discussing over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, and I think it's kind of a, a mixed mixed report here, Josh. I mean, anytime you have the quarterly earnings reports come out, you're going to have people analyzing those numbers. And so I think there's a couple things to take away from this piece. It's a good piece um, from uh, Robert Rapier here in Forbes. But um, the, the first thing he points out, and rightfully so, is that a lot of companies um, hedge. We talked about this last year on the show, that hedging was ahead of schedule. And they hedge between 50 and 55. Well, if you did that, then you missed out on some decent money because prices has climbed above 70 at some point. They're in you know, the 60s right now. Um, so you missed out potentially on a lot of money. The other thing I would be curious to see, and the article doesn't get into it, um, and this is one of these things with these articles, you know, that that's sometimes can be a little bit misleading or sometimes they could have covered but just didn't explain it. Is you know when you when you start the new year, the drilling program starts, companies start to ramp up. You see a huge increase in expenditures. It could be a deal where some of these companies weren't really expecting to make that much money, and then you couple that with the hedging. Um, so you had a real increase in expenditures from labor and um, you know you know get the rigs out there, all the equipment, all this type of stuff. All of a sudden comes onto the market the first quarter of the year. Um, then you got to you got to put that money out. And then the whales start producing. So the, I think the second quarter is a lot more interesting. Um, now, as far as some of these other points that he points out about, you know, ConocoPhillips, they had a really big uh, cash flow of $864 million. That was interesting because we talked about them two weeks ago, I think, focusing more on the Eagle Fruit than mm-hmm. the um, than the um, Permian. The, the one company that stuck out, stuck out to me was Pioneer. Now, Pioneer, last year, as you know, they said that they're going all in on the Permian. Um, and, and so pioneers be one of these companies you, you really want to follow because they have talk about hedging, you know, they've really hedged their bets in that term by going all in on the Permian. And so it, uh, according to this article, pioneer natural resources outspent its cash flow by $264 million. So there's, you know, I think it's one of these things where it's too early to say, Hey, the companies aren't making money. Um, I think there's a lot of factors that are going on here. And I think the second quarter is really, where we're going to see it at. And it doesn't surprise me. Some companies played it safe. They hedged. So the margins are be tight. Maybe they lost a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think the second quarter this year is really, where we're going to watch it. If the second, if the prices stay up and the second quarter numbers come back bad, then I think we have something to, to look at and go, Oh, that's, that could be trouble. Yeah, you know, and he even, uh, the, the writer of this article comes out and says, to be clear, it isn't necessarily a concern if a company occasionally has a negative cash flow. That's companies right. invest for the future, and if their outlooks for higher oil prices, they may invest in significantly. So I think um, I think some of it was just kind of uh, catchy, uh, some of the, the way the article is written to kind of catch your attention. But I, I, I think, like you're saying, uh, you know, the next quarter is, is going to be really where we can – 
uh, follow some of this and, and see see really where all this stuff ends up. And I, I mean, I think I think it's a uh, fascinating uh, to follow Pioneer and see how all this is going to turn out because they're either going to be champs or they're going to be uh, fools yeah. at the end of, at the end of this deal. Right, um, and and you're right. And so let's kind of talk about some of the things we talked about on the show historically. We talk about you know kind of this grade point average mentality I talk about. And I, if you notice, I always talk about that on years. You can have bad years. Uh, you can't have bad year and year and year and not bring your grade point average to you fail. That's not the same with a bad quarter. Obviously, one quarter could be so traumatic that it could put you out of business. But these companies, they're not necessarily concerned on a quarter-by-quarter quarter basis, as you pointed out and the author points out. One quarter is not the end of the world. And you have to understand why is that one quarter bad. You know, Josh, we're both in the business world. Some, if we had to report our earnings on a quarterly basis, some of our quarters wouldn't be profitable. And that's because mm. sometimes our our market that we're dealing with isn't as active as other times of the year. So the question is, is those other three quarters or the past couple of years, how do they stack up till you get to this quarter? And so I think, you know, that's what we're seeing here. It is, it's, it's important to point out because here's the flip side. If we would have reported first quarters, everyone was making money, we'd been all excited. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not, um, frustrated someone talks about this because it's a, it's a fair point it's it's a fact it's a reality but i think the second quarter is where we'll see it at and to your point about stuff getting higher out there um yeah that's gonna be interesting to see we talked about it on the show before you know these companies that have done deals you know did they get the best deal um or were the margins tight and so i think we'll be able to follow that to three quarter this year uh to the second and third quarter this year rather and to see what's happening but no it's 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 good to, it's good to watch it's good to see and it's interesting to see who's doing what and then how that translates because so, uh, the final thing is not all companies um operate the same way so some companies are a little bit more aggressive the first quarter you know they may spend a lot more money um some companies like maybe conical phillips is a little bit more trudging along there and uh you know they're not looking they're, they're looking to make money month in month out whereas other companies might look to make their bulk of their money in, two, in the second or third quarter yeah, well, I, I think if I would be interested, Ryan, I wish uh, we had something that could pull up uh, first quarter earnings from maybe the last like 20 years to see on average what that return of investment is or what kind of cash flow they have. And I would bet you that second and third quarters are historically better months for cash flow purposes. Right. Um, I, I think, I, I, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think you would see that. When you're coming off of, you know, if you're talking about the kind of the shell era, I think what you would see is, is coming off of a down year, which last year wasn't a down year, but it wasn't a boom year either. It was a good year. Um, but coming off of a down took, um, or you, you've had a couple of years where there wasn't high prices, you'd probably see something like this. I think it would be really interesting to see is if compare that versus when prices are high year in, year out. I think that would be also an interesting comparison because you could look at it and say, well, the first quarter of 13, they made a lot of money, or 14, they made a lot of money. Well, the, the price for the previous year was so high that they were already making money. So I think that there's a lot of things you have to look at. We talk about this, but yeah, going back and looking at when they make their largest profits is obviously important when you're talking about, um, you know, should you get worried or not. And I don't think we're anywhere near a, uh, a worry stage yet or, or no, even in the radar. Well, uh, we have another article, Ryan, from uh, Forbes, and the title of this article is Why Retire? Former CEO of Oxy Aims to Be a Low-Cost Provider with New Oil Company. Uh, I think this is a follow-up on an article that we talked about earlier, Ryan, where a CEO was uh, was retiring, getting out of the business, and he was uh, his, his intention was to cash out and get, get his money uh, from the company. He was an elderly gentleman, and it looks like now he's, uh, he's dabbling in some 
some other areas. So he's trying to get some ventures maybe that are not quite as big or as complex as uh, as you know, being the CEO of Oxy. Yeah, yeah, it's a, I think it's a mandatory retirement at the age of 68, and if my company wants to put in a, a mandatory retirement at the age of 33 uh, with a big million dollar cash out, I'll be happy to to take that in July. But um, yeah, mandatory retirement at the age of 68 from Oxy, so understand that. Um, but you know, one of the things here that I thought was interesting is, so let's just assume he's a smart guy. He's ran Oxy. Oxy's a railroad company, so you're assuming, hey, this is a smart guy. If you look at what he did, it says in the article that he um, he dismissed this. This is from the article, so quote. He dismissed the so-called scoop stack play of, uh, of Oklahoma as overrated, unpredictable, and grass and uh, and gassier than people think. Meanwhile, the red-hot Permian Basin of West Texas and southeastern New Mexico has simply grown too expensive at more than seventy thousand dollars an acre. Um, so, and and with the downside of insufficient pipe pipeline capacity to get oil to the market. So that's his thoughts on those two plays. And where does he end up at, Josh? He looks at the Eagleford and Austin Chalk. Now, mm-hmm. this goes back to, and I hate to kind of beat this horse, but what, you know, what we're trying to do is break down the news to help our listeners hopefully um, give them a little bit of a competitive advantage. You know, we talk about this a lot, is that you can't just look at the Permian and say, hey, man, the Permian's where it's at. I love the Permian. We make a lot of money in the Permian. That's great. But here we go. This is a company with a smart guy running it who's looking at it going, hmm, the Eagleford and the Austin Chalk might be to where we want it, might be where, where we want to focus our business at, especially as a startup, especially someone who doesn't have the capital to compete. You know, he's from Oxy. He's not Oxy. You know, you can't compete with Oxy potentially or Exxon or somewhere else. So these are the types of deals that I like to watch because this is someone who knows the business, who's been the business, who has access to data that we would, you know, love to have access to um, for years and years and years. And he's coming back in here and saying, you know, I know what the cost is here. I know what the, what the problems are there. For me, starting my new venture at the age of 68, um, there's a lot of money to be made in Eagleford. And it's going to be interesting to follow along and to see what happens because, you know, um, ConocoPhillips, you know, we said is doing the same thing. But some people are, are skeptic, uh, skeptical of the Eagleford right now. But here's someone else saying it. So I think when we talk about these stories, you know, too often, and me and you get guilty of this as well, we start lumping everything together, the Permian, the Eagleford, the Austin Chalk. And it's, you know, you, know, you can make generalities, general statements. But then you look at someone like this who's finding a specific area of the, uh, the Eagleford, um, they might can make a lot of money there. Yeah, it's something that's uh, it's, it's fantastic to watch how, how all the, uh, all this is working out, you know, in the free market when when all this, I guess, intensity starts to get uh, concentrated in one area, how all these other opportunities start to become available. And that's just going to engender um, different opportunities in other places because um, I guess the more, more concentration you get in the, in the Permian, the more people are going to go to the Eagleford, and then you're going to have more companies starting to you know, concentrate on the Austin Chalk or, uh, or even looking at other areas. So it's uh, it's, it's definitely watching how the the market is working itself out, and I wonder too with the with the long term. You know, we talk a little bit about the pipelines and and uh, Eagleford. I mean, do you think they're close to capacity? I mean, if if they're able to drill, do they have I guess a better uh, method of transporting that oil to market than say the Permian? And and I know they don't have more pipeline total, but in terms of ratio wise. Uh, the Permian is in desperate need of more pipeline to get their oil to market. I wonder if the Eagleford is, is a, I guess, is more established for a long-term production plan. Well, I, yeah, we need to get – maybe Blackman could help us out with this. But as I understand it, and if a listener has a better 
understanding this particular dynamic right at GlobalNGB.com. We'd be happy to have you on the show talk about it. But as I understand it, Josh, this is how I think what's played out has happened is the Eagleford came, you know, really kind of booming right after the Haynesville shell peaked. And the, the, the thing with Eagleford was it had the gas, and so you had the gas, like, you know, the gas prices were high, and it also had oil. So you can kind of get the best of both worlds, depending on where you were in the Eagleford Trail. Some of that gas is uh, dry. Um, and so you started seeing companies you know, build pipelines, build infrastructure, and things like that. In the Permian, what I think's happened here is, is if the prices would have stayed level, uh, so I know this is true about the Permian. Now, if it's why the, it's at a disadvantage to the Eagleford, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but if the prices would have stayed high in the Permian, there would not be a pipeline shortage. The pipeline shortage in the Permian is a result to the prices dropping. So the prices dropped, and the producers said, you know what, we're going to see what's going to happen here. We're not going to sign deals to um, to, to get our, our oil or our gas um, piped away. We're going to fill up the current pipeline capacity, and then we'll go from there. And so then what happened was pipeline pipelines kept going after the drill, after the drilling fell off. And so they kind of caught up with uh, to, to meet the demand. Well, then as the prices ticked back up, producers were skeptical to um, sign deals with these pipeline companies because they weren't sure exactly how much they were going to drill. Now what you've seen is is that they've kind of said, okay, we feel comfortable drilling at this kind of rate for the next year or so. Um, and so what happens is is the pipelines are behind. So it's just a natural function of the permit of the market. The market just hasn't caught up to what's happening. So it's no one's fault. It's just the reality. The pipelines... Um, lag behind the drilling just as a natural function of the marketplace. In the Eagleford, I think one thing um, to consider with the Eagleford is the Eagleford, you're right there by somewhere like Corpus Christi. So it's a lot shorter to get your pipe to market potentially. That's one thing he talks about in this article. With the Permian stuff, you got to have a big, long line like Epic. So it's not just the gathering we're talking about. It's also these big, long lines that get it to the market that takes you know, a lot of companies potentially to, to um, go into an open season to say, yeah, we're commit this much uh, barrels to the, to the pipeline. And I think that's part of the dynamics we see at play here. Um, so that, that's my general take on it. You don't see a lot of Eagle for articles. I think probably because there's not nearly the demand to have a lot of long linear pipelines like an Epic that you would see from the Permian. And the final thing is when an Epic comes through, depending on how it's built and, and, uh, and constructed, you could see the Eagle for benefit from Epic because they could have commitments from Eagle for producers and Permian producers. I don't know if that's the case with Epic or not, but you could see that they pick up, um, product from multiple spots along the way. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting, Ron. I mean, that, the 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 processes that that um, you know, the market just goes through these, I guess these these trends every ten or fifteen years and seeing how that works. You know, our good friend Sergio, we uh, he's supposed to be coming on to give us some some insights. He's he has a lot of good stuff on the Eagleford, yep. uh, and maybe we can uh, we can probe probe him on some of this stuff as well. He actually hey before we before, mis- before we go that Josh, let me just point out two things um, for for the listeners, just kind of how when I read these articles. Um, the first thing is when I read these articles, um, and we try to talk about this on the show, you know, these guys are really smart on the business, and they they're very smart thinkers. They have the money, uh, they're putting their money where their mouth is. This guy's putting up, I think, sixteen million or twelve million of his own dollars. So he's not just you know bloviating and saying, "Hey, this is what it is." He's actually putting his money where his mouth is. Um, and so one of the things I appreciate about these articles is this guy's sixty-eight years old. He could retire, but he's going out to find a deal. So add a boy for that. But the other thing is. Um, Try to think like these guys think, and that's what's really important. That's one of the things on this show we, we hopefully try to point out is, you know, different ways. Of th- you know, obviously there's the standard stuff, but other ways to think and how to grow your business. And, you know, if you're looking for a job, um, you know, how you might find a job. Well, think like this guy thought. You know, he looked at all these things and he said, well, for his business, 
you know, this wouldn't work for these reasons. For his business, that wouldn't work for those reasons, but this would work. And as business people, we always, or, or job seekers, or, or wherever you're at in the industry, we all kind of get caught up in the craze. And here's someone who really took his time, sat down, and came to this conclusion. Now, will it work or not? You know, I don't know. The market will figure that out. But I really appreciate that because it helps me, you know, make sure I'm thinking properly on, you know, whatever it is I'm doing in business because like, okay, here's someone who sits back and they go, you know what? I may not make as the, the margins may not be as high as in the uh, in the Eagle Fruit as the Permian for him, but the Eagle Fruit has different opportunities that he's able to capitalize on that other people aren't. So I think that there's something to glean from these CEOs um, because they are so smart. They put their money where their mouth is. It doesn't mean that it's always going to work out, obviously, but it is something for us who are in the who are in this profession to sit back and go, you know, how can we adjust our business to think like these guys who you know they've obviously done it very well for a long period of time to have this kind of money. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he obviously is. Uh... He's no slouch. I mean, he he does his homework, and uh, you can you can bet that some of the insights that he has is, is going to be spot on uh, because he sees someone who's you know he's, he's got skin in the game. He's got skin in the game, and that you know that, that's a you know the big frustrating thing we we talk about offline is you read some reporters who you know they're, they're a full time reporter, and you know we don't have a problem with that. We love Sergio Chapa. Um, he's a full time reporter, so no, I'm not knocking all full time reporters, but there's plenty of them. They have no skin in the game. They're not. They're not here grinding. They're not here trying to, you know, make it happen. And sometimes they say stuff like, "Oh man, I'm not too sure about that." Like if you were actually working here, you would you'd see it differently. And listen, me and you get stuff wrong all the time, so it's not we're perfect. But, um, but someone like this who's putting up his own money, yeah, he could fail. He could fail miserably, but he did. You know, he tried. He made the effort. And we, I think that is at least uh, fundamentally different than picking up a book on Amazon on how to do a business that from someone who's never actually done anything. So that for me, <laughs> there's just a lot more value there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned Sergio Chapa. He he's a he's a journalist at San Antonio Business Journal. We have another article from uh, the San Antonio Business Journal, Ryan, where the they are detailing that Valero is moving forward with one billion dollars of spending on growth projects. So, uh, looking forward to see where they invest their money, Ryan. You have any insights as to where they're going to be allocating some of that money? Yeah. So Valero, first off, they have stuff going on all over the places. You know, um, you know, as the article points out. Um, they got $1 billion from the article, quote, a billion dollars over the next few years on projects to grow its presence in the Houston area. Now, um, you know, there's, um, there's Magellan with a pipeline to talk about, a storage terminal. There's all kinds of stuff here that's going on. And this is exciting because, you know, what's interesting about this, Josh, is that someone was saying the other day, um, online, um, that Valero had reached capacity with its light sweet crude, the kind of crude that we produce here in the Permian Basin and the U.S., generally speaking. And so to see that they're investing in the U.S. means a good thing because there is, and I don't want to get too much into this, um, but there is kind of this debate about, hey, has the U.S. producers saturated the global market with its light sweet, light sweet crude? Now, I'm of the mindset that... Um, if U.S. producers can keep this volume up, so the amount of oil that it puts out on a year-in, year-out basis up, that global refineries will refit, retool, build new refineries um, to compensate for that because they have to blend it with the heavy crude. Um, and so Valero doing this, I think, is a really good sign that, yeah, they are seeing this um, long-term, that the U.S. oil will be here, you know, and so it's, it's something that they want to invest in, they want to spend their money. And a billion dollars, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a lot of money um, because it's putting in... It ain't chump change. No, it ain't chump change. It's not chump change. It's a serious deal. And so, 
Uh, I know we have our Texas Roundup coming up, but this is kind of one of those things that, uh, first off, thank you, Sergio, for this article. Um, second off, Sergio, dude, where you been, man? Like, where where has he been, Josh? I mean, is he mad about Cabot? Did we cover Cabot without him? Is that what this is about, you think? Uh, that's what I'm wondering, Brian. I think we I think we rode him a little too hard on Cabot. <laughs> he's, he's got a sensitive side to him, so I think we... <laughs> oh, Sergio, we love you. We want you back on. Sergio's not mad at us. We're just giving him a hard time for those of you who might be new to the show. He's a regular guest, so we love Sergio. Speaking of which, you need to follow Sergio Chapa at the San Antonio Business Journal. It is behind a paywall, but it's worth every penny you pay. Um, so anyways, yeah, this is really good news because, again, companies, when they're investing in the U.S., they can invest your money anywhere. You're investing in the U.S. right now. That's a good sign, especially if you look at some of the refined um, blending issues that are being talked about on the global scale. It's a good sign to see Valero putting money back here in the States. Yep. Well, Ryan, we are entering into our Texas Roundup portion where we cover news, articles, anything job-related, opportunities we might see in the, in the market in Texas. So um, there's two things I wanted to point out today, Ryan. There's an article that uh, details the oil production growing in Texas and the natural gas production is dipping. Uh, so I, I think with some of the natural gas uh, deals that have been made recently, I wasn't expecting necessarily that, that to happen with natural gas uh, production dipping. Uh, but we obviously were predicting the oil production growing. Uh, it shows that pr- preliminary production totals from March in Texas, including 86 million barrels of crude oil and 577 billion cubic feet of natural gas is kind of the numbers that that they were looking at um and they were they were up about 10 million barrels per day on oil and they were down uh let's see what were they down 90 go ahead go ahead sorry i'd say they're down about 30 uh bcf on the gas is that right yep yep down about 30 yep so uh not not huge not huge numbers, but definitely definitely. Uh, do you have any idea why that is, Ryan? Why the natural gas is down with uh, with some of these deals that just got? I, I know I know they're not necessarily coming straight from uh, from the U.S. Some of these we're just going to be transporting it for them. Um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting because you know so the the railroad commission puts these numbers out, and um, what it really kind of caught me off guard too because if you go back to that Permian. Producers lose money. One of the things that people have feared about the Permian producers is, is that the oil to gas ratio will get out of wax. You'll have too much gas in these wells. Um, well, this article here might indicate that we're seeing a reversal of that trend. That we're seeing more oil um, than we are natural gas. That could be a result of less drilling in the per, uh, in like the Eagleford areas, and so really it's not in, indicative of what's happening in the Permian with the oil to gas ratio. But it is something to watch because I am curious to see. Um, the article doesn't break it down by region. That's what would be helpful. So, like the Permian regions and the Eagle for regions, you know, to see what's going on there, um, because that was a fear last year. Was hey, there's too much gas in these Permian wells, and but this number here makes you wonder: is that still going on or not? Uh, I'm sure someone will go in there and do a little bit of research and break it down, and we can talk about the end. But so it could be good for Permian. It could be nothing for Permian. It could be an Eagle for number. But still, it's good to see because. Um, <laughs> Listen, no one wants to put this gas in pipelines right now. That's a big problem. And um, and so getting less natural gas, especially in the Permian region, uh, would be nice for those producers. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, last one, Ryan, we have Texas sees rise in oil and gas jobs. This is good news for a lot of folks, uh, something we've been in, anticipating now for, for quite some time. And we, we've documented some increases, but uh, this one is actually a very optimistic article 
Uh, market conditions have been improving. Activity's been uh, been ramping up in Texas. So it's showing more jobs. It's showing here oil and gas companies in Lone Star State added 3,400 upstream jobs in April, according to data recently released by the Texas Workforce Commission. Uh, this is the 17th month, consecutive month for growth. Uh, so going back 17 months, it's been growing every month. But, you know, 3,400 upstream jobs in a single month, that's really good numbers. I mean, it, it looks it – looks, uh, very optimistic for for the for the job situation. Really, uh, what I'm looking at is through the rest of the year. Yep, yep. Those are good numbers, and as we said before, it's really more than that. It's just how they track it. So good numbers, but the numbers are better than that. That's good. That's good to hear. And Ryan, let me pull up our drilling index. Uh, and while you're doing that, let me remind everyone. If you leave a written review in iTunes to the end of June, you will be entered to win a $50 gift certificate, a Visa gift card, we'll either email you a link or send you a card or whatever. you got to be in the U.S., but um, written review on iTunes and like 01001, we have no way of knowing you know, who you are. So go back and if that was your review, put your name in there or send me an email right at globalgmi.com. But yeah, put us a written review on iTunes and we will put your name in the hat for a drawing. And if you've written, left us one before, your name's already in there. Well, Ryan, uh, looking at the rig count, the Friday before you went to the crawfish bowl, we were at 1,110. Uh, the following Friday, we had a dip down to 1,089. We lost uh, about 11, and now we're up this today, which is uh, we're actually on a Thursday, it, at 1,098. So we're, we're right at where we were, uh, really pretty close to where we were last week and about 10 under where we were the week before that. Okay. Well, good deal. Well, Josh, I don't have any uh, events that I can think of coming up. I was going to go to the Midland Conference next week. I'm not sure. I had someone email me about that. I said I was coming. I'm not sure if I'll be there at the Midland. Um, oh, it's the Heart Energy. I can't. Uh, Midstream Texas, I think, is the conference name. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I'll be there next week or not. But um, if you are in the area, let me know right at globalgb.com. And if I do make it out there, would love to meet up with you. I've had one listener email me already. So if I'm out there, I'll be happy to um, have a cup of coffee or shake your hand or, or whatever at the conference. Um, beyond that, I don't think we have any other potential events that I can think of, Josh. You, you, anything you know of? No, no events. We do have questions of the month that we need. Yes. Uh, we need questions in. We uh, have that coming up. Uh, looks like we're going to have to postpone until July. But we need some questions. Uh, any listeners, do you have questions? I, I, I do want to reach out to Chase Lafferty, who left the review, see if he has, he has some stuff he wanted to talk about. Um, I want to look at some of the questions he has, possibly get him on the show. But we definitely need some questions, Ron. We need anybody that's been looking at things and is curious about uh, just about anything. Yeah, Celtics, basketball, Warriors, we'll cover it all. Yeah, and if you don't, hey, here's the deal. I talk about steering the show. If you don't send in questions, we won't do it. So it's, it's if you want us to answer your questions, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. Uh, we'll put Josh to work and make him actually pull some stuff for the show to cover. So, But we do thank all the new listeners we've had. Um, we keep seeing the numbers. The show is growing, growing, growing. Thank you so much. If you could, if you're enjoying the content, Share it with a friend, someone who might enjoy it. If you want a hard hat sticker, go on the Instagram, at Texas Oil and Gas Podcast on Instagram. Let me know or email me, right at globalengineme.com. Be happy to email you, uh, or not email you, maybe some hard hat stickers. But yeah, if you could share the show, that would be a really big help. We're getting more and more listeners, and we're always curious who's listening, what kind of content they want to hear, 
what can we do to make the show better? Did we miss something? Did we get something wrong? Um, we're always open to hear that kind of stuff. If you are a listener that I have met with, you know that's always what I ask. Hey, what do we? What are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? How can we make the show better? We really, really care about that, and uh, we'd be happy to hear it from you. And uh, Josh, I will be back in the great state of Texas next week when we record this show. So um, it will be good to be back home. It's dude. It's 108 where I live at right now. Did I tell you that? It's 108. 108 degrees, I don't even know what's going yeah. on there, man. It's like, I don't know. I'm not a global warming guy, but I'm going to change my mind. 108 in June. That's that's insane. That's tough, man. Yeah, we, we hit we hit 99 yesterday, and I was freaking out, man. I'm yeah. not, not prepared yeah. for that kind of heat, man. Yeah. I, yeah, see, 99 where you're at, that's like all that humidity, too. I don't have no humidity or not much, but it's... I mean, oh, yeah, I looked at that. Anyway, so, yeah, so stay, hey, safety tip. Drink a lot of water. Good night. It is hot out there, especially in Texas. Work hard, be safe, and until next time, keep climbing.